Hi, and welcome to the Church Unlimited podcast. Church Unlimited is a vibrant Bible-based church in North Lakes, Queensland that is passionate about helping people discover the genuine love of Jesus. If you're currently looking for a new home church, we'd love for you to join us for Sunday worship from 4pm at North Lakes State College on the corner of Discovery Drive and Joiner Circuit. We hope you enjoy this great message from our Sunday service and come for a visit someday soon. Today I want to be continuing our Unlimited series. Have you ever had deja vu? Moments that you have seen happen in your life before? I literally just had one of those moments during that Connect Group moment. Uh, I was sitting in that chair right there and I was thinking about going up to preach the Unlimited series and I, remi- I remembered about three years ago when I was still at my previous church, I had this dream that I was going to be leading my own church and preaching the Unlimited series and now here I am today doing that moment. It was a weird moment anyway. That has nothing to do with what I'm about to tell you except for I think this is a divine opportunity. Awesome. Well, last week I kicked things off talking about the kingdom is unlimited. We were talking about the kingdom of God and how when God created the heavens and the earth, he spoke and he said, let there be light. And he never said stop. And I reckon that the kingdom of God is still expanding at the speed of light, even unto this moment. The kingdom of God can be such a massive concept for us to get our minds around. But the thing that we have to understand about the kingdom of God is that it is unlimited. Because God is unlimited. unlimited. God is without limits. And therefore, it makes sense that God's kingdom was without limit. I was telling you about how I was this um, ignorant American who came to Australia. And Americans really don't know much about the rest of the world. We really only know our own fishbowls. And, uh, and so I left my tiny little fishbowl to go abroad to Australia. And I was blown away when I started to understand the world from a non-small American viewpoint. And I just think that it was a great illustration for me because when I became a Christian, I thought I, you know, I was kind of trying to get my mind around God, but the reality is God just blows my mind. God is bigger than we can, than, than we, than we can imagine. Uh, the ants perceive the earth very different to humans. Ants, little ants running along the ground at the moment with, with rain coming, I've got ants in my house, and, and they only perceive their little trail. In fact, if you put a roadblock, they don't know what to do. They can't go past that roadblock. And um, anyway, they, they, uh, they perceive the earth very different to how we perceive the earth. But I believe that that is a good illustration for how humans perceive the kingdom of God in contrast to how God perceives the kingdom. Isaiah puts it like this in Isaiah 55, verse 8 and 9. It says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are my ways your ways, says the Lord. For even as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. We are a finite creation desperately trying to get our minds around our infinite creator. And God wants to enlarge our ability to perceive his kingdom and the vastness of his kingdom. Jesus says a really cool uh, phrase. In fact, there's a lot of really cool phrases that Jesus says through your Bible. If you read it, you will know that that there's just a few little things that he says. You're like, what does that mean, Lord? But he says, he says, I have come to reveal the mysteries of my Father. And I believe that Jesus has come to enlarge our thinking and help us to see more than we thought that we, 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 
we're very limited in our understanding. And Jesus has come to help us perceive his unlimited kingdom. And so during his time on earth, Jesus teaches us about his kingdom. He's trying to help us to understand his unlimited nature. He's trying to help us move from the kingdom of me to the kingdom of God. That's a big deal. In Matthew 6, 23, he even tells us, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all the other things will be added unto you. Have you ever stopped to think about that? Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Do you just wake up one day and decide, well, today I'm just gonna start to seek first the kingdom. To be honest with you, I don't believe you do. I don't think that that decision comes from a place of willpower. I believe it comes from a place of Holy Spirit revelation. Jesus, prior to his ascending into heaven, promised that he wouldn't leave his followers alone. In fact, in John 14, it says, And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor it knows him, but you know him, for he dwells in you and will be with you. Interesting. Because Jesus says the world cannot perceive it. In our human flesh, we cannot perceive God. We can't think our way to God. We can't reason our way to God. Going no matter how many church services you attend, it's not going to get you to God. You need the Holy Spirit who will help you to perceive all the different dimensions and facets and aspects of who God is. When I am born again, I am born again of the spirit. I am no longer born of the flesh. I'm born again in the spirit. And so I need Holy Spirit to come and help illuminate and help me to see and help me to reveal the aspects of the kingdom of God. And so I didn't just one day wake up and decide I'm going to seek first the kingdom of God. I actually believe it's the Holy Spirit that helps us on our journey to come to a greater sense and a greater awareness of who God is and then stirs a fire in our spirits to go after him. A couple of things about the Holy Spirit. Number one, you need to know, Holy Spirit is God. He is not a part of God. I used to think, all right, well, humans, we're a, a body, we're a, we're a soul, and we're a spirit, Right? And so I am three different parts, if you will. If you apply that same logic to the Holy Spirit, well, then you think, well, Jesus is a part of God and, and Father is a part of God and Holy Spirit is a part of God. And, and if it's a part of God, well, then Holy Spirit is not God. It's just a part of God. It's one third. But that's actually an not correct thinking about who God is. Because Jesus is not just a part of God. Jesus is totally God. Yeah. And the Father is not just a part of the Godhead. He is totally God. Yeah. And Holy Spirit is not just some part of, it's not just God's Spirit, like James's Spirit and God's Spirit. It's not like that. Holy Spirit in and of himself is a person. He is not an it. And if God is all-knowing, all-powerful and all-present, then that makes Holy Spirit all-knowing, all-powerful, and all-present. In Genesis 1, 
verse one, it says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth and the earth was without form and void and the darkness was on the face of the deep and the spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Holy Spirit was present at creation. It's not just a New Testament thing. It's not just an Acts chapter two thing. Holy Spirit has been present all along because Holy Spirit is God. And so he was present at creation. And then in Genesis chapter one, verse 26, it says, then God said, this is God talking, let us make man in our image, according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air and over the cattle and over the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on earth, which is rather redundant because creeping things creep on earth. Have you ever stopped to ask the question, who is the us and the our in that sentence? And then God said, let us make man in our image. Who's he talking to? Is he talking to the angels? Well, the problem is we're not made in the likeness of angels. We're made in the likeness of God. And so who is God speaking to when he's speaking in creation? I, I believe he's speaking to the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, the Trinity, because the, the, the great thing about God is God is unified within him own self. He has relationship within his own self. And so the Holy Spirit is God. B, the Holy Spirit is unlimited. If Holy Spirit is God and God is unlimited, then Holy Spirit is unlimited. Everything pertaining to God is unlimited. Father is unlimited. Jesus, unlimited salvation. Holy Spirit, unlimited. He is unlimited in every way. Now let me make sense of this now. In C, Holy Spirit is the revealer. He's the revealer. He helps us to perceive. He illuminates, brings to light all the things that we could not perceive of the flesh. In Matthew 16, Jesus is talking with Simon Peter. And he says to Simon Peter, who do men say that I am? And Simon Peter says, well, that's easy. You're the son of the living God. This is Jesus's response. Jesus answered and said to him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona or Peter. His name becomes Peter. For flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my father who is in heaven. You have had a heavenly revelation. So coming to Jesus is not just something, oh yeah, I better do that. That's a good thing to do to today's to-do list. Come to Jesus. Tick. No. No, it was actually a, a spiritual revelation that helps us to perceive salvation in Christ. You didn't come to that revelation on your own. It's a heavenly revelation. You can't perceive the unlimited kingdom of God with your earthly minds. You need a revelation. So, Revelations, that's a coincidence, uh, 3.20 says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and dine with him and he with me. So the Spirit of the, the Lord is standing at the door of our hearts, knocking, waiting to reveal to us Jesus, salvation, Father, the kingdom, the power, He's waiting to reveal to us 
All He's waiting to open our spiritual eyes. I got saved on the old school song, Open the Eyes of My Heart, Lord. You remember that old jam? That's a power ballad right there. So when you start singing it, the presence of God comes. Basically, it says, open the eyes of my heart because I can't see you with my natural eyes. I need to see you with my spiritual eyes. Open my eyes. And so it's a song of declaration saying, Holy Spirit, help me see more. I need to see it. I can't. The reality is we need the Holy Spirit to Open our eyes. In Romans chapter 2, verse 4 says, It was the goodness of God that led me to repentance. I didn't just wake up one day and say, You know what? I'm tired of thugging because I was a thug. Nah. I'm tired of being an idiot. I was definitely an idiot. That works. I didn't just wake up one day and say, You know what? I'm over myself. No. Holy Spirit knocked on the door of my heart waiting for me to open and then it was his goodness. It was the goodness of God that led me to a place where I was willing to repent. But I didn't even know I needed to repent until the Holy Spirit started to illuminate and give me a revelation. D, Holy Spirit is within you. Holy Spirit is not without. Holy Spirit is within. I always think it's funny when, you know, well-meaning people say, oh, yes, the presence of God is here. Because I have to go, I've been carrying with me everywhere I go. What are you talking about? The presence of God, it's not like the Old Testament where he would come close and then leave. The presence of God is always around you and in you and with you. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, 19 says, Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Spirit within you, of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own. So now I am a carrier of the Spirit of God. So now not only is Holy Spirit unlimited, but he is giving me unlimited revelations of his kingdom and his power that is within me. God will do more than you can think according to his power, his dunamis wonder-working power that is within you. That makes me a presence carrier. Everywhere I go, I carry the unlimited nature, the unlimited power of God within me through his Holy Spirit as a carrier of his presence. So if you're having a bad day at work, guess what? You're not alone. He's with you. And if you're in a moment of testing or in a moment of temptation or a moment of crisis, you're not alone. Holy Spirit is within you. Wherever you go, his presence is in you and with you as you are a carrier of your spirit. Let's go one step further. E. The spirit is better than Jesus's bodily presence. Have you ever stopped and said, you know what? It would be great if Jesus was here. He would come and sort all the churches out. Well, well, Jesus himself says in John 16, nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. When Jesus was on earth, the unlimited power of God was limited 
to Jesus. Let me say that again. When Jesus was on earth, the unlimited power of God was limited to Jesus. But when Jesus goes away in his ascension into heaven, he's able to release that unlimited power, that unlimited spirit upon you and I, that we now are carriers of his spirit everywhere we go. It's been made available to everyone who carries his spirit. Now, some people have been in Pentecostal services before or heard about the Holy Spirit. And some people say, oh, well, that Holy Spirit stuff is for some and maybe not for others. I want to share with you a great scripture because I believe that the Holy Spirit is for all believers. Peter tells us this. Acts chapter 2, verse 38 says, for the promise, sorry, this, I didn't write that scripture in there, but the promise of the Holy Spirit is for you, for your children, for all who are far off and everyone whom the Lord may call. So please don't sit here and say, oh, Holy Spirit's not for me. Uh-uh. Holy Spirit is totally for you, for your children, anybody who's far off. And if you don't fall into one of those first three categories, well, it's just anybody else who the Lord might call. Jesus says in John 3, 34, for the one whom God sent speaks the words of God, for God gives the Spirit without limit. So not only is the spirit given to anyone who the Lord will call, but he's given without limit. He's given without measure. Amen. That's right. I want that. Yeah. I don't want to live in this when the word of God tells me I can have all of that. I don't want to live limited and confined. What, what I actually need to do is I need to align my thoughts with heavenly thoughts. The only way that I can have heavenly thoughts is when the Holy Spirit comes and illuminates and gives me a revelation of a greater kingdom than my own little castle. So how does the Holy Spirit help me? He's the paraclete, the helper. The problem with that is that we often translate helper into servant. Holy Spirit is not my personal genie. He's not my, oh, I shunned a bunda a couple of times and then he lets me, you know, build my own little kingdom. In fact, I've learned that Holy Spirit's role is actually not to help me do my thing at all. It's to help me do his thing. Yeah. Holy Spirit is not my personal genie that I'm driving around the Coles car park. Oh, car park, Lord. Thank you for a car park. The Holy Spirit's role is so much bigger than helping you get a car park. Further, his job is not to simply make you feel good. Oh, the Holy Spirit was there tonight. I felt it. Woo! The Holy Spirit's role is not, he's not my personal genie that I just, grant me my three wishes. I want a car park. I want to feel good. And he's not here to help me live comfortable. There's this funny thing going around about comfortable Christianity. Read your Bible. There is absolutely nothing comfortable about Christianity whatsoever. Powerful, incredible, life-changing, something that you want more than everything else, but it's not guaranteed to be comfortable. So how does the Holy Spirit help me? Number one, 
Holy Spirit helps illuminate God to me. I didn't know God. I didn't know my father, but he gave me a revelation. He illuminates my father. He helps me reveal, he helps reveal the mysteries of God. I was dark in my thinking, but Holy Spirit helped me to perceive more than I ever thought possible. Have you ever been in a really dark room in a place that you don't know and you're fumbling around in the dark trying to find the light switch? That was my life before I met the Holy Spirit. I, I, everything was dark to me. Everything didn't make sense. That's why people ask that funny question, what's the meaning of life? If you're asking the question, what is the meaning of life, then you have not met the illuminator, the revealer, the Holy Spirit who will help turn you on. In the same way, the Holy Spirit illuminates truth in my life. He illuminates God purpose in my life. He illuminates the love of God. He illuminates the mysteries of God. 2 Corinthians 4, 6 says, For God, who said, let there be light in the darkness, has made this light shine in our hearts so that we can know the glory of God that is seen in the face of Jesus Christ. So in the same way that God said to, to well, there wasn't creation, so he just said, let there be light. And there was light. Before the sun, the moon, and the stars, there was light. In fact, there was no sun and moon and the stars. That didn't happen until the fourth day, as we talked about last week. But on the first day, there was just light. In the same way, the Holy Spirit comes and brings light in our hearts that we were not able to perceive beforehand. Holy Spirit helps us to know the God that has been there all along. People that say I'm far away from God haven't had their light switch flicked on just yet. Because they don't realize that you can't be far away from God. As you're declaring, I'm far away from God, his presence is surrounding you right there in that moment. You just don't know it. Knowledge of God is not in textbooks, but it's found in the illumination of the Holy Spirit. He illuminates my need for Jesus. Even my Bible. Your Bible, without spirit revelation, is just a book. But when, the Holy, when you're reading it and Holy Spirit starts to, he starts to open your eyes to see things that you did not know before. So here's a couple application questions. What has the Holy Spirit revealed to you over the years? What revelations have you had? And what is it revealing to you right now? I, I've been really confronted with the fact that I think the Holy Spirit is speaking to me all the time. I'm just not aware of it. And so when uh, in Isaiah, God says um, to Isaiah, um, behold, I'm going to do a new thing. Will you not perceive it? I'm going to bring new roads in the wilderness and new rivers in the desert. And, and I was really confronted with that scripture because he's, God says, will you not perceive it? If God's doing something, are you even aware of it? Are you even aware of what God is doing in your life? Or do we just live on autopilot? I pray that Holy Spirit helps bring us to a greater illumination and revelation of God. Number two, the Holy Spirit helps me to be more Christ-like. He illuminates how I am to live for Jesus. 
In Philippians 2, 13, it says, for God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what, he, what pleases him. God is working in you. That's, a, that's, a, that's a reassuring. I don't have to get there on my own. It's not like, oh, I better pull my socks up and get, get my life together. No, God is working in me, helping me to be more Christ-like. I am a work in progress. Jesus saved me. And now it's the Holy Spirit's role to change me. I, I am a big believer. Old school preaching used to say that um, if you behaved, then we will let you, um, then, then, we, then we trust that you believe. And then if you believe, well, then you can belong. And so we used to judge everybody based on behavior. And then we, by your behavior, we used to ascertain whether or not you were truly a believer. And if you were truly a believer, well, then finally you can belong into the special club. The only problem is none of us fit in that club. Jesus flips that idea upside down. Jesus says everybody belongs. And then through belonging, hopefully you'll start to believe. And then through believing, hopefully you'll start to change your life and behave. Please note that behavior is at the end of that, but it's still important. So, so I belong to Christ and I start to believe in Christ as he gives me new revelations. Holy Spirit is revealing more of God to me, but you better believe it should alter how I behave. It should change me to be different. If you take a car for a minute, let's look at the Datsun 180B. That fine machine. If you take a Datsun 180B in all of its glory and you paint it and you put some hot mags on it and you lower it, you pimp that ride, it's still gonna be rubbish. It might look better, but if you haven't changed the engine, it's not going anywhere. I need a heart change if I'm really going to live for God. The Spirit shows me key areas of my heart that need to be transformed. And so as I'm a believer belonging in the body of Christ, Holy Spirit starts knocking on my door again, waiting to reveal to me areas of my life that need to be edited. Christianity is not simply getting new habits. It's about getting a new heart. When I received the Holy Spirit, my have-tos turned into want-tos because my heart changed. Please note that this doesn't mean that I don't make mistakes anymore, but my desires change. Then what's the big difference between pigs and humans? Pigs love the mud. They can't wait to be in the mud. In fact, if you washed a pig and it was standing next to mud, it would take its very clean washed self and roll around in the mud again. But a Christian, I still get mud on me from time to time. But when I'm aware that it's on me, I don't want it on me. I go and wash off. I think that that's how we should be as the Spirit of God is changing us. The moment I get a little bit of mud on me is the moment Holy Spirit starts to convict me. I actually don't believe it's the pastor's job to convict the flock. 
Holy Spirit is the convictor. Holy Spirit's the transformer. I'm not transforming anybody. I'm just praying that I don't screw you up. But it's the Spirit of God at work within all of us. I made a post the other day about hypocrites. People say, oh, I don't go to church because the church is just full of hypocrites. I say, well, one more won't hurt. No, that's not what I say. That's not what I say. Jesus welcomes all of us as we are. And then through belonging, I start to believe differently. I start to believe higher thoughts. And it changes me so I start to do and operate according to higher ways. So here's the application question. What has Holy Spirit changed in my heart since surrendering to Jesus? And another one, what is he working on in my life right now? If you can't answer that question, you need to get more sensitive. Because I pray that God is always revealing something to me that I need to be lifting, changing, editing, helping me be a better dad, be a better husband, be a better pastor, be a better man. Help me to be more Christ-like. Number three, Holy Spirit helps me to pray. Have you ever been on an awkward first date? You kind of like run out of things to talk about. You can only tell her so many times that you look really, you look really nice today. Like, like really, really nice today. Like really, really. It's just all you're like... I remember when I first got saved, I didn't know how to pray. I was like, testing, testing, Lord, is this thing on? I remember closing my blinds because I was terrified that if someone saw me praying in my bedroom through the window, they would think that I was schizo and talking to myself. So I was like, I didn't know how to pray. I didn't know what to say to God. It was a little awkward. The Bible says in Romans 8, 26, that the Spirit helps us in our weakness. For we do not know what to pray as we ought, but the Spirit intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. Can I explain to you what the groanings too deep for words actually means? Jesus tells us that we will speak in new tongues. In Mark 16, 17, it says, and these signs will follow those who believe. Time out. Don't go any further. These signs will follow the believer, not the pastor, not the apostle, not the teacher, the evangelist, or the other one that I prophet, but the believer. So these signs are to follow the believer. It says in my name, they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents, and if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them, and they will lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. Jesus promises us a whole bunch of cool stuff. We need Holy Spirit revelation about that stuff, but he promises us that we'll learn to speak in a new language, in a new tongue. This is not some Old Testament old, or, or even Jesus, Apostle Paul type time stuff. This is as the Holy Spirit comes upon us, he helps me to know how to pray. 
And so in 1 Corinthians 14, Paul puts it this way. For one who speaks in a tongue does not do so for men, but unto God. For no one understands him, but he utters mysteries in the spirit. For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. So basically, when I pray in tongues, I bypass my brain and I pray directly from my spirit. It gives me a direct line to communicate to God directly. Jude verse 20 says, stir up the gift of faith within you by praying in the spirit or praying in tongues. And so the New Testament talks about how the Holy Spirit will come upon us and give us a spiritual prayer language that allows us to connect with heaven. I have found that the less I pray in tongues, the more I am often in my flesh. But when I pray in tongues, I stir up the spirit within me. And I actually opens my eyes and opens my ability to have a revelation from heaven as my spirit gets larger. And so I pray in tongues. I love praying in tongues. I pray in tongues as often as I possibly can. And the reason that I do so is because I don't want to be a flesh man. I want to be a spirit man. And when I pray in tongues, it helps me engage with God. I don't know what I'm praying. And if I hear Paula praying in tongues, I don't know what she's praying. She's speaking mysteries unto God. But what it does do is it opens me up for a greater spiritual revelation, a greater spiritual download. I don't know about you, but my flesh is hungry. It's very hungry. It desires. I've got, the Bible tells me that my flesh desires the things of the flesh. But I need to proactively grow and engage my spirit. And I do so through the power of praying in tongues. Now, some people have said, oh, well, you know, how do you, how do you get that gift? The reality is when you receive a second baptism of the Holy Spirit, the enabling baptism of the Holy Spirit, you receive the gift of speaking in tongues. There are two different baptisms of the Spirit. The first baptism is found in John 20, verse 22. I don't actually have this up here. I'm off the notes at the moment because I want to explain this to our church. John 20, 22, the Bible says that Jesus breathed on them, received the Holy Spirit. We believe that that is the moment that they become a revelation that they have a revelation that Jesus is the son of God, that he's the resurrected king and that he's the forgiver of sins, that we believe that that is being born again. When the Holy Spirit helps me illuminate that Jesus is who he says he is. But then speaking to the same people a couple of chapters later in Acts chapter two, he says, hey, don't leave Jerusalem there's going to be an empowerment from the Holy Spirit on high, and he's going to give you power to bear witness. And so these same people waited in an upper room for a second and subsequent experience where they were baptized in the Holy Spirit. The Bible says that when they were baptized in the Holy Spirit, that they began to speak in new tongues, and they began to prophesy as the spiritual gifts began to flow out of their lives. There are five instances in the book of Acts that talk about being baptized in the Holy Spirit. And almost every time, it's accompanied with speaking in tongues and, and, and prophesying and moving in the spiritual gifts. 
And so we believe very much in a baptism of the Holy Spirit that is different to my salvation. Different to my salvation. And so here's your application question about speaking in tongues. Do I speak in tongues? If not, do I want to? And then here's a, here's a, here's a good question for you. Where can I speak in tongues more? Maybe not in the middle of calls while you're doing your grocery shopping. Unless the Spirit gives utterance. But I just believe we should, we should build up our spirits more. That Jude verse 20 tells us, stir up the gift of faith within you through speaking in tongues. It's something that we should aim for. Number four, the Holy Spirit illuminates vision. Helps me to see vision for my life. If you don't have purpose for your life, Holy Spirit's gonna give you some. It says in Acts 2, 17, in the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions and your old men will dream dreams. So there is a revelation from heaven, whether you're old or young, male or female, it doesn't matter. That God wants to download fresh vision from heaven. We don't see what God sees. We need to start to see and perceive the way he perceives. David saw a little shepherd boy. God saw a king. Abraham saw that he couldn't have children. God saw him as the father of many nations. Gideon saw himself as weak, but God saw him as a mighty man of valor. Peter saw himself as a coward that denied the Lord at his lowest time, but Jesus saw him as a leader. Lazarus saw himself as dead. Jesus saw himself as alive. <laughs> Jacob saw himself as a schemer, but God saw him as a prince. Moses saw himself as a failure, but God saw him as a deliverer. I think too many Christians see according to the flesh. But God wants to give us fresh dreams and fresh vision for our lives to help us to see what is the unlimited potential within me. According to the unlimited spirit that is going to help me step into all of that. God has a vision for your life. William Booth was the founder of the Salvation Army. When he was 15, he pledged himself to God's services and his wife, Catherine, was only 12. That's pretty wild. The Salvation Army was founded by a 15-year-old and a 12-year-old. It's a bit young. William Carey, the father of modern missions, left everything to go to India when he was 18. Hudson Taylor was 16 when he went to China. D.L. Moody was 18 years old when he committed his life to ministry. Age is irrelevant. I believe God's got purpose in our lives and it's our responsibility to align with Holy Spirit's ways and thoughts to step into it. Then we start to contribute in the kingdom of God and we're not just left building the kingdom of me. Application question. How has the Holy Spirit revealed to me vision for my life? What is my vision? If you're single here, I pray your vision is more than just getting married. That's just, that's just a thing that happens as you fulfill the greater purposes of your life. 
By the way, if you're a mom or a father here, God's vision for your life and plan for your life is to be more than a mom or a father. That's a part of life too. But life is bigger than that. I've heard people say to me, oh, my ministry is my family. And I say to them, I think that ministry to your family is, should, should be like paramount. But God's got more for you than that. Maybe not in this exact season. Paula, the, the last number of years, was, was primarily raising our children. But God has a bigger plan for Paula as our children, our youngest, is going to school soon. And there's Paula, it's not like, oh, gee, I'm, I don't have any more kids. What do I do now? Purpose is over. Well, I will knit. <laughs> Your purpose is greater than that. Number five, the Spirit helps me to be helpful and purposeful. So not only does He give me vision, but He helps me to be purposeful. Jesus says that He would send the helper, the paraclete. This is not the helper to do my will, but the helper to do His will. Yeah, that's right. Jesus also says in Luke 4, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. So there's a spiritual anointing that comes upon us he has anointed me to bring the good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim that the captives would be released and that the blind would see, that the oppressed would be set free and that the time of the Lord's favor is here now. So Jesus says that there is an anointing, a spiritual anointing from heaven to bring salvation, to release slaves, to help people see the kingdom of God, to bring liberty and to declare the Lord's blessing and favor. So we have the unlimited Holy Spirit within us who helps us to perceive the unlimited vast concepts of the kingdom of God. Here's a question for you. If I'm truly kingdom first, then what is my kingdom purpose? And how is Holy Spirit helping me be a blessing to others? I might invite the worship team to come. You know, I, I am convinced that we need a greater revelation. We need the, the, the vastness of who God is to be enlarged within us. I am the limitation on my life. It's not God. It's not circumstances. It's me. I am the ceiling on my life. And I have just decided I do not want to limit what God can do in me and through me. Because God has unlimited potential and unlimited power within me if I will align myself with what He is doing and where He is going. Thanks for listening. We hope you've enjoyed this message. We pray that you and your family are richly blessed in the love and grace of Jesus. If you're ever in the area, we'd love to have you join us for Sunday worship.